0: an incalculable number of causes present themselves. The deeper we delve in search of these causes, the more of them we find, and each separate cause or whole series of causes appears to us equally valid in itself and equally false by its insignificance compared to the magnitude of the events and by its impotence, apart from the cooperation of all the other coincident causes, to occasion the event. To us... The wish or objection of this or that French corporal to serve a second term appears as much a cause as Napoleon's refusal to withdraw his troops beyond the Vistula, and to restore the Duchy of Oldenburg. For had he not wished to serve, and had a second, a third, and a thousandth corporal and private also refused, there would have been so many less men in Napoleon's army, and the war could not have occurred. "'Had Napoleon not taken offence at that demand "'that he should withdraw beyond the Vistula "'and not ordered his troops to advance, "'there would have been no war. "'But had all his sergeants subjected to serving a second term, "'then also there could have been no war. "'Nor could there have been a war "'had there been no English intrigues and no Duke of Oldenburg, "'and had Alexander not felt insulted, "'and had there not been an autocratic government in Russia "'or a revolution in France "'and a subsequent dictatorship and empire.' or all the things that produced the French Revolution, and so on. Without each of these causes, nothing could have happened. So all these causes, myriads of causes, coincided to bring it about. And so there was no one cause for that occurrence, but it had to occur, because it had to. Millions of men, renouncing their human feelings and reason, had to go from west to east to slay their fellows, just as some centuries previously, hordes of men had come from the east to the west, slaying their fellows. The actions of Napoleon and Alexander, on whose words the event seemed to hang, were as little voluntary as the actions of any soldier who was drawn into the campaign by lot or by conscription. This could not be otherwise. For in order that the will of Napoleon and Alexander, on whom the event seemed to depend, should be carried out, the concurrence of innumerable circumstances was needed, without any one of which the event could not have taken place. It was necessary that millions of men in whose hands lay the real power, the soldiers who fired or transported provisions and guns, should consent to carry out the will of these weak individuals, and should have been induced to do so by an infinite number of diverse and complex causes. We are forced to fall back on fatalism as an explanation of irrational events, that is to say, events the reasonableness of which we do not understand. The more we try to explain such events in history reasonably, the more unreasonable and incomprehensible do they become to us. Each man lives for himself, using his freedom to attain his personal aims, and feels with his whole being that he can now do or abstain from doing this or that action, but as soon as he has done it, that action performed at a certain moment in time becomes irrevocable and belongs to history in which it has not a free but a predestined significance. There are two sides to the life of every man, his individual life, which is the more free the more abstract its interests, and his elemental hive life, in which he inevitably obeys laws laid down for him. Man lives consciously for himself, but is an unconscious instrument in the attainment of the historic, universal aims of humanity. A deed done is irrevocable, and its result, coinciding in time with the actions of millions of other men, assumes an historic significance. The higher a man stands on the social ladder, the more people he is connected with and the more power he has over others, the more evident is the predestination and inevitability of his every action. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. A king is history's slave. History, that is, the unconscious general hive life of mankind, uses every moment of the life of kings as a tool for its own purposes. Though Napoleon at that time in 1812 was more convinced than ever that it depended on him verser ou ne pas verser le sang de ses peuples to shed or not to shed the blood of his peoples, as Alexander expressed it in the last letter he wrote him, He had never been so much in the grip of inevitable laws, which compelled him, while thinking that he was acting on his own volition, to perform for the hive life, that is to say.